0: today's podcast I'll be talking with a young lady by the name of Natalie Ann who is amongst other things an Australian social media superstar. Her business is growing exponentially and includes being a digital creator, a salon owner, her own line of hair products, online education, seminar work and I get the feeling that she is just getting started. On this podcast, amongst other things, we discuss whether or not you should outsource your social media, whether you should have a social media policy to protect your business when team members leave, the value in looking after social influences, and the pros and cons of some of the social platforms. And that's just the beginning. So let's get into it. The hairdressing industry, like all others, is constantly changing. And with change, there are always going to be people who try and resist it and others who embrace it and lead the way. My guest today is embracing change and is becoming a great success story in the process. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to speak with natalie Ann. And if you haven't heard of her already, stay tuned, because I promise you that you're about to be inspired. So without further ado, welcome to the show, natalie Ann.
1: Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Anthony.
0: I really, really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to be with us today. But listen, um, I need to just sort out one thing before we get into the interview properly. Um, I've never heard reference to your last name. You are always just Natalie and the brand. Is there a reason behind that? <laughs>
1: um, yes, I have a, a, an extremely Lebanese last name and I got teased for it when I was a child. It's actually Aube, um, but I used to get called A-boobs. Okay,
0: all right. So, so,
1: so Natalie nat- 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 to edatives. the breast and all of that sort of stuff, I decide moving forward into my creative uh, life that I would drop the last name. And Oprah had one name
0: exactly just one so and i was
1: like if i just just natalie Anne's fine
0: fine exactly well if it's good enough for oprah <laughs> it's good enough for, for prince it's good enough for natalie ann so um, it is let's uh, let's start off i like to sort of get people to introduce themselves a little bit first of all say who they are where they're from uh so so the floor's yours let's uh, let our audience know where you live and uh, and and what you do and then we can dig in a bit deeper after that
1: amazing well my name is natalie ann and i'm a hairstylist in sydney australia I am a salon owner, I am a digital creator, I am a founder of my own haircare brand, Natalie Anne Haircare, and I'm really excited to be on this show. Great. Okay. So, so
0: what do you like to be known as? Because as you just said, you're a hairdresser, a salon owner, um, and I'm never sure what term to use, whether it's influencer, content developer, blogger, you know, wh- what do you, you know, call yourself if you have to give yourself a, a sort of a digital title?
1: I love the term digital creator because it doesn't um, it doesn't pigeonhole you to one platform or one type of distribution. So I think if you use the term blogger, that takes tech- technically means that you write blog posts um you know if you are a youtuber you're a youtuber if you're an instagrammer you're called an influencer um you know and i i think a digital creator opens me up to not being disabled by any platform nor by any distribution of that platform
0: okay and you you've got your own salon now in in sydney i assume yeah
1: yes yeah Yeah, we're in sydney
0: right and and how long have you had the salon going for
1: it's three years old, actually.
0: Wow, okay, and it's a reasonable size. so I remember from uh, a little bit of research I've done, you've got about fifteen people on your team at the moment.
1: Yes, we're um at fifteen, and we have a hundred and eighty square meter salon,
0: okay fantastic. which is
1: I don't know what that is in foot, but it's quite big. It's okay. bigger than most. Good. Okay.
0: Right. So, a lot of your reputation is built around, uh, or has been built around, social media. Um, why don't you just tell us about your your journey into social? Because obviously, when you started hairdressing, social media wasn't a thing. So, you know, how how did you how did that journey for you start? Because that's where you really you know made a, a name for yourself.
1: Um, when I first started hairdressing, I started with a company called Tony and Guy. Um, and I had these, um, dreams of being a, you know, celebrity hairdresser or a session stylist. I wanted to do magazines and, and runway shows. Um, as I started to get a little bit older, I realized that cracking into that niche market was not only going to take me a lifetime, but it was also going to be a huge salary sacrifice. One that I couldn't afford um you know being in the family situation that i was in so i needed to i did try I tried for five years. I was building my book, trying to be represented, trying to get an agent on board. Um, But during that process, I was creating content for a blog, creating content for my Facebook. And every time a photographer, a makeup artist and I got together to, you know, create these collections or do these submissions, you know, we would be submitting to magazines waiting for this spinal credit from a mag. And I just, thought to myself, why do we need to submit to magazines when we can become the magazine? Exactly. Like why is it that we need to wait for someone to say it's okay to publish our work? So I decided to start my Facebook page and my blog at the time um, as a matter of distribution of just our craft. You know, we wanted to be sharing these beautiful test shoots that we were doing with the world. And, you know, one particular shoot we were on set and it was amazing and, um, you know, it went viral and it became this signature wave that I now still do to this day. Um, But it it opened up a floodgate to the bridal market for me because most women in Sydney hadn't seen that type of hair and most women in Sydney weren't able to book a stylist that could do that type of hair. So... um, That's how I started my content and my bridal career. Um, But I was extremely, I guess, overwhelmed with the amount of inquiries that were coming through online. Um, And this is back in 2008. So, you know, I was using Facebook. I wasn't even on Instagram yet. Um, And then shortly after, in 2010, we started our Instagram page. Um, And in 2016, we've hit our first 1 million followers.
0: Wow! So uh, one million on Facebook, yeah. Yeah. And and how many on Instagram?
1: Almost half a million. Right. We're about to hit half a million. Okay, fingers so crossed.
0: Th- that is that is. Hopefully, yeah.
1: by the time this podcast comes out. It will be a, it will be a half a million
0: exactly. So if uh, if people haven't already checked you out, there's an impetus to go and check you out, and uh, you know to click the follow button. So it's it's Facebook was where you really you know got started. Um, I suppose Definitely. when you, when you started on Facebook. Instagram didn't even exist, did it? No, um, it didn't. It didn't. And, and you know, now you're, okay, so you you're sort of double the size on Facebook than you are on Instagram. But uh, Do you have a favourite platform out of the two, Instagram, Facebook? Def-
1: definitely um, Instagram. Um, a- around 12 months ago our Facebook got hacked. Right. Uh, we still have it now. We got it back. But uh, I guess over... While that was happening, I realised that I never wanted to ever, ever, ever be disabled by one platform. It gave me the scare that I needed to definitely diversify my content and my audience and make sure that we live everywhere um, and make sure that we're collecting data from our, our patrons. You know, we wanted to make sure that our followers, you know, were converting into a database where we could, you know, then talk to them offline as well as online. Um, and you know, the organic reach on Facebook has definitely, you know, died a few years back. So without advertising, it doesn't really matter how many followers you actually have right now on Facebook because you will never reach them organically.
0: Yeah. Do do you think your success that you, because you started so early and you've now got like, you know, a million followers, uh, do you think that that's that you're able to do that today? Someone starting out today? Because as you say, the organic reach has changed completely, hasn't it?
1: I'm such a realist and I, you know, I try and explain to people it doesn't matter how many followers you have um, because you could do the same, I guess, reach the same amount of people if you just pay for it um, and create beautiful digital advertising using Facebook these days. I think because I was an early adapter to Facebook, it did give me um, the head start. I think if anybody and I were starting at the same time, you know, it, we all would be the same sort of numbers right now if we're creating similar sort of content. Right. Um, if they start today, I'm going to say probably not. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. It will be a lot harder, that's Yeah.
0: for sure. Yeah. So when you started, um, you know, using Facebook, at what point did you sort of realise that, you know, I'm onto something here that that it was really starting to, like you use that term, um, you know, that it went viral. Uh, You know, at what point did you sort of, did the phone start ringing and did people want to sit in your chair and give you money as a result of Facebook?
1: I'm going to say I took it serious year two. Yeah. Like very seriously because, you know, the inquiries were uh, like, I didn't have uh, somebody to manage that for me. It was just me. Um, and it was, I was trying to, you know, do my clients, trying to do my brides and trying to, you know, facilitate all of these like inquiries and they're not necessarily bookings. They were inquiries. Yeah. So how much do you charge? Where are you located? Um, you know, all of the things that prompt us to have a website in yeah. order to be able to direct people there. And and this is um, when you were working from home. Yeah. Right. So this so is still we a home salon. We were right at home up until three years ago. Right. So, um, you know, and we just kept building upon that. Yeah. At home, start building our clientele. I trained both my sister and my cousin um, and one other stylist before we opened NA the salon.
0: Yeah, fantastic. The transition into Instagram was that because of being hacked, or you were already on Instagram anyway, but then decided to, you know,
1: put a lot more, no, we, a lot more emphasis on it. Yeah, no, we definitely were already on Instagram and growing such a beautiful following. Um, we were start to we were starting to reach all these international pages that were repurposing our content and sharing the love in Australia, which is really exciting. Fantastic. Um, and I think every time that you have international accounts sharing your page and your work, you know, it gives you um, not only the satisfaction, but it gives you that clout that you need in Australia. Yeah. So, you know, people would then go, oh, you know, Huda Beauty just shared your your video or um, even in recent times like Main Addicts and Jan Adkins and, um, you know, so many amazing international artists that I guess we get to talk to now and work with and share content with and, it, it's a it's a it's a beautiful beautiful time to be a hairdresser.
0: Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Instagram is just it's as if it was invented for hairdressers. I mean, can you imagine oh, and all beauty for
1: professionals?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and and so you've always done it all yourself. You've you've never had a um what do we call them a, a social media manager or you've never outsourced anything to anybody as an agency it's all you posting and and you know looking at the analytics seeing what's working what's not working trying new mediums etc
1: yes yeah? um in the very early stages in 2008 right through to 2010 um we i had a really good friend of mine who's an amazing wedding um, blogger now um But she was dabbling in advertising and working with creatives and I was actually one of her case studies. So um, she would play, you know, we were talking like $20 ads, $30 ads, $40 ads, like nothing exciting. Um, But we were really testing the ad space back then, um, which was quite good but at the same time completely unnecessary uh, considering the organic reach that we were having. Like we were getting 1 million viewed videos organically. Um, which was unheard of and unheard of now. So we that was the only time that I kind of gauged a creative agent, um, but it was more a friend and a friend that was testing the space. Right. Uh, right through from then till now, it's been me, myself and I. And three weeks ago, I hired my little brother, who's 18, completely native to YouTube, um understands the space and we definitely want to start our YouTube channel. So he is now shooting and editing our upcoming YouTube videos. Wow, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is brilliant. Keeping it in the family. I'm all about that family life. Good. I actually have eight eight family members that work with me
0: already there's eight okay is there any eight, <laughs>
1: eight out of 15 <laughs>
0: <Eight>. okay <laughs> so there's a there's a few shirkers uh, at the moment to uh, yeah. get on get on board uh, uh, team natalie ann okay um would you ever advise salon owners or hairdressers to uh outsource stuff to an
1: agency what are your thoughts about that uh, i have a very strong opinion on this particular subject and it's only because I see so many salon owners and business owners alike, um, I guess, being ripped off um, by uh, these digital agents and it's not because they're trying to rip them off. It's just because the biggest, I mean, it's content is king. These hairdressers and salon owners aren't struggling to post the content they're struggling to create the content. And without the content, these agencies and social media managers have nothing to manage. So I think that is where everything gets a little bit twisted. Um, I also believe that you really need to understand your brand and you need to understand your brand tone, and your language. Um, how you decide to deal with customer complaints. Um, All of these things need to be taught and and that needs to be taught to this agent. You know, community management is, I'm going to say, 80% of what happens on social. It's how you talk to your customers, you know, who's going live, when they're going live, who's going to reply to all the DMs and the comments. And, you know, they need to understand your brand. And they, I think they need to have a very firm understanding of what you do as, as an artist in order to be able to do that. And if they don't, then it's not worth the two, three, four, five, to right through to $1,000 a week that some people are, are charging. Yeah. I think that they should, I strongly recommend that when first building a brand online, you need to do it yourself. Yeah, I would agree with that. You, ne- you need to understand it. And then I think it's definitely um, a role that you should have in-house. Yeah. and Sorry, carry on. I I just think it needs to be taught.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that authenticity, it comes across, doesn't it, or not. And if you outsource it, it gets lost in the mix and everyone starts to sound the same.
1: And I just don't think that anybody would believe that it wasn't me if it wasn't me. Yeah. Like I think it just really needs to be me. And I think, you know, the biggest influencers in the world, it's them. Yeah. And that's what makes their influence so important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you you plan stuff ahead? Do you, like, have a calendar uh, where you go, okay, for the next month, you know, this is what we're going to work towards posting on these days sort of thing? Do you sort of map it out like that so that you're developing varied content that's relevant to whatever's happening in fashion or seasons or whatever?
1: Yeah, I think we definitely have like a calendared guide, you know, like your Met Galas and your bridal time and your formal season, like all of the things that we, you know, the yearly calendared events that happen globally, we have um, scheduled, so to speak. But that's for us to build, be building content in advance around, yeah. Rather than physically, you lose using a um, a platform like Latergram or Schedulegram to to physically plan and post so we don't schedule posts ahead of time right um we draft them and we bank content up so i call it a content bank so we shoot now content anywhere between three to four days a week um where i will shoot eight to nine videos in that day per day with eight or nine different influencers or models or clients um, and then that goes into the editing process, and then that goes into our content bank. So we can then use that content when we see fit.
0: Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Um, you just mentioned a couple of um, apps. Uh, do, do you have any favorite sort of go-to apps like, you know, Hootsuite or Canva or I forget the ones you just mentioned, but is there anything are yeah. your particular go-to apps that you recommend?
1: I used to use Canva a lot. Um, and I think for anyone first starting out on Instagram that really want to up their story game and really want to create um branded templates that are very special to you and your salon, um, Canva is amazing. Um also I use an app which I like am obsessed with and it is the easiest way for you to um uh, basically break your video content down so that it's ready for every platform. And that's uh, an editing app called InShot. Right. Okay. And I still to this day edit most of my videos on iMovie on my phone because it's quick. When we want to do larger scale videos, we use a program called Final Cut Pro. And um, Unfold is an amazing application for Insta Stories. And, you know, once you start playing with these templates, you start to recognize certain templates and, you know, you just got to find your right flavor, you know, pick a font, pick a color, make sure that it's true to you, your brand, your salon, you know, you can, most of these apps enable you to upload your watermark in a PNG file, um, you know, so you can have your own watermark on most of your stories. You know, if you have an e store, store, it's, it's amazing to drive traffic through Instagram stories these days. Um, it's so much easier now than when we first started.
0: Yeah. When you talk about this now, a lot, of, a lot of salon owners, you know, they listen to it and the thing that puts them off, you know, really sort of getting into social more is they feel intimidated by the, the technical side of it all the stuff that they've got to learn that you're just casually talking about if if you went back and saw you know uh, natalie ann 15 years ago would you have imagined that you would be this person then like were you techie or has this just been a journey one step oh in front my of god, the other? no!
1: right okay techie and me i'm still not techie right no <laughs> did you see how long it took me to get on this skype <laughs> yeah, <you>? yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> oh my god no yeah um no, I, my first ever email address was like a live email address yeah. and my best friend started it out of her nightclub office, like no, um, and, you know, started my, my Facebook page for me. Definitely not. And, you know, I, and this is why I believe that most people, I guess, love like, you know, being taught by me, listening to me, and I guess what I love to share most is I'm a hairdresser yeah just like everyone else right and so I you still do clients on the floor definitely was not native was not born with an iphone you know i wasn't of that generation and if i can do it anyone can
0: right so so you just sort of fail your way forward bit by bit someone recommends something you give it a go sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't trial and 100%. error hundred percent. yeah good 100
1: and these days and now I'm like, I'm you know, if I could go to every TED Talk, if I could, you know, meet Gary Vaynerchuk, which I did last year, you know, like if, now I'm heavily immersed in this space. Yeah. But when I first started, like, no, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. You know, and I think now it's YouTube is a beautiful thing. We we are no no longer are we disabled by anything anymore. We can learn anything in the comfort of our own home on this beautiful iPhone that I'm talking to you on right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, that, that comes to what tool do you use? So uh, do you shoot everything on your iPhone or do you use an SLR I camera? Or, right. So everything's no, on I your phone. I shoot
1: everything on my iPhone, yeah. Um, I'm. For me, I think the world that we live in is, is so fast. Um, to stay relevant, to stay current, um, you know, for I guess for my audience to um, connect with me, um, the quality of my iPhone is good enough. yeah, I'm, I'm I think a- when you go too high tech and too high spec and too high quality, it starts to look it starts to look very um, addy. You know it starts to look like a professional ad, okay? So you start to lose, I guess that um that raw authenticity that yeah. an iPhone can give you.
0: Yeah. Well, I noticed I checked out your website before we got online and I was just looking at your your video that you have on there. That's your video to sell your videos, so to speak. And, <laughs>
1: and it was just me and an iPhone. <laughs>
0: and you laughing and having fun and just clowning about. And uh, there was one where you killed a fly or something. You know, it was just,
1: uh, it was well, great. It, it happened. It happened. <laughs> it, it was
0: natural. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Well, well, that actually brings me into this next question. How do you find the balance between Natalie and the professional? This is you doing here. And for want of a better term, um, on your social feeds, do you give people a look behind the curtain, so to speak? Do you know what I mean? So so in other words, it's not just all these beautiful models and beautiful hair. Like do you do you show any of your life, any of your struggles, any of that? Um, you know, I, I call that what's behind the curtain. And if yeah. you do or if you don't, talk to us about that as to why you do or don't.
1: Um, if you asked me this question two years ago, I'm gonna say I didn't. And I think there's only so many hair tutorials I can shoot and share. Yeah. So in now today um, I share a little bit behind the curtain and I'm only ever gonna share what I want people to talk about yeah yeah you know, like an old saying like you never tell someone something unless you want them to spread it yeah yeah so that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at um, you know people know my husband um, they know a little bit about my family um, but they know the family that work with me yeah. so they know anything that's relevant to my business. Right. Um, Do I, if I had a dog or a cat, would I share them? Probably not unless I was selling a grooming product. (laughs) Um, You know, like that sort of, that's where I'm at. Like I, you know, people want to know more, but I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And I I think when it comes time, um, I may. I don't think that there's a right or wrong I just think it's what you're comfortable with. Yeah. You know, like I don't know who owns Coca-Cola, do you? The, the market.
0: It's, not, you know an, it's I mean? not an individual.
1: Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. and it's like it's still a brand and yeah. it still speaks for itself, but it allows its people to speak for them. And yeah. I guess all the big brands are the same, whereas today we live in a society where everyone's like, oh, there needs to be a face behind the brand. I disagree. I think if you are, you are. If you're not, it can st- it's, it's still possible either way.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, a question I get asked a lot by salon owners is, in this day and age of social media, how do you protect your business from your people and, you know, from your staff if they leave and they take all the clients with them? And, you know, if you were asked that question 15 years ago, you would talk about... Lock up about, your password. Yeah, you, you, you would talk... Exactly. You know, you would talk about yeah. being password protected, having having employment contracts, having restraint clauses, blah, blah, blah. Um, what's your... And, and now I listen to a, a lot of people and they tell me about their social media contracts that they have with their team. Um, what's your take on all that? How do you protect your business but still, you know, get people to embrace social and be part of it?
1: Um, I was very strategic when I first opened my salon because I knew it was going to be a problem. I was always somebody that could see things before they kind of happened. And I knew having a huge social media following and, um, uh, you know, was the kind of only person in the space really um, in Australia that was making my kind of noise that I knew that people would want to come and work for me just for that reason, that would want to learn and come and understand how to create a social media following and then go do it for themselves, which is beautiful, but that becomes a student that doesn't become a staff member, you know, that's going to, you're going to invest your time in and your resources and your love and your energy and you want them to stay with you for such a long time and then they go away. So. we decided to create employment contracts, um, just like most hairdressing brands. Um, we also had a social social media policy that was attached to the employment contract, and that basically stated that they we create them an Instagram page. Um, if they had an Instagram page prior to working with us, that's fine that they can keep that, but they have to put that on private during their duration of their employment at Natalie Ann. Okay. And so, so any- we technically own all of the handles that are associated with our brand.
0: Right. Okay. So, if I came to work for you as a stylist, you would yep. create me an Instagram an Instagram page, and it would be Anthony at Natalie Anne or something like that. Yeah. Pretty much. And when I left, it would be closed down.
1: It would be, depending on the size of it. Yeah. We would then merge it to another stylist. Right. Okay. Okay, interesting. All right, um,
0: let's let's dig in a little bit deeper here then, uh, and talk about Instagram in particular. Well, um, should we start talking about Instagram or start talking about Facebook? Let's start talking about Facebook because that was where you really, uh, well, that's where you had the biggest following and where you initially made you know such a, a big um, you know dent in the market and got such a good reputation. Um, you have got close to a million followers, yeah?
1: Yep. Do you
0: still use, like, what do you think of Facebook now with Facebook Stories as opposed to Instagram Stories, for example? Do you use that as a medium?
1: Um, we share all of our Instagram Stories uh, directly to Facebook Stories. Right. Um, I know that is something that we shouldn't do, that we should be creating native content on Facebook. But for the moment, because of the amount of content that we are creating for Instagram, we are just um, basically forwarding it over to Facebook. Right. Okay. Because of the organic reach issues.
0: Sure. Okay. Um, so, so you very much shoot things with Instagram in mind and then it just, you yes. forward it over to be shown on Facebook as well. Okay. Is that what you'd advise other people to do or, or would you, mm. you know, take off your hat of that and
1: say, no, you should shoot native stuff for each platform? A hundred percent. I'm going to say don't. In this case, definitely, Um, especially in the US, Facebook still has, you know, such a large audience and such a large region, you know, such an interesting demographic. And that's definitely where people shop and it's definitely where people live. So I'm going to say definitely create native content for Facebook.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Gary Vaynerchuk before, and I heard him say recently, "Do not underestimate Facebook. Like it's never. It's changed, but it will be back in a in a bigger way."
1: And I think there is nothing wrong. Like you know, hairdressers uh, for years you know, whether it be, you know, whether it be um, the yellow pages, you know, whether it be local advertising, whether it be flyer drops, you know, there were so many things that we were happy to pay to do in order to be able to be seen. But for some reason, people just don't want to pay for digital ad placement. And I don't know why, because it is so much cheaper than any other um, way to reach people, like you know, it's such a small amount of money to pay for such a large amount of eyes.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's because it was free at the beginning, and and that's the, and the, that's a masterstroke like move to build up that big following. that's free, and then mm-hmm. to turn around and say, okay, now we need to monetize this. And I, I way- agree with you. It was we were spoiled for a long time. Now they're monetizing it, and we need to pay for those you know eyes on our content, and that's just inevitable. Do, do you think Instagram I'm are going to do that?
1: They already have.
0: They already are. So the
1: organic reach on Instagram started to drop around 12 months ago, um, or for me anyway. Yeah. And we've seen now another new spike. I've been using IGTV. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, and I've been using IGTV based on its organic reach. Yeah. So, you know, we stopped even using normal video, like feed video, and we're only uploading to IGTV because we're getting more organic eyeballs.
0: Right. Okay. So let's talk about Instagram then. So, so is that, is your, uh, Facebook platform growing still, or is it sort of stabilized at about where it's at? It's definitely
1: stabilised. So it's right. probably like, you know, a million under a million, a million under a million right. sort of just okay. plateaued just there. And um, I think that's because I've given it no love, not yeah. because it's not growing as a as a platform. Yeah, sure. Um, that's just because, you know, we lost a lot of functionality when we got hacked. Yeah. Um, you know, it was very hard from an administration point of view. Ad manager we lost access to. Um, yeah, there was there's a. it's a much longer conversation. Yeah. Um, but we basically, you know, we've been definitely working on Instagram hard out.
0: Yeah. So I'm a little bit curious about you saying you got hacked. How does how do you advise someone to stop that happening?
1: Now, two phase um authenticity, make sure that you have a two-factor Um, authenticity, so you've got a mobile number and an email address. I would also say that your email address for all your accounts should be very different to your inquiry email address. So, for example, if it's info at natalieann.com.au or .com, um, that you should have a random email that is secured that has nothing to do with your business or yourself, Um, you know, that could be the email that owns everything else Um, and that your mobile number is very different to the one that's on your inquiry. So just those things. Um, There's also an app you can download. Um, Let me just check the name of it. One second. It's through Instagram. I think it's called Duo. Okay. Um, And that will give you... um, that will give you far better protection. Right. Okay. And and when you
0: got hacked, what, what did you experience? What was the problem? What what happened?
1: Uh, I'm gonna say like the closest feeling that you could ever have to a heart attack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like heart palpitations. Yeah. Okay. Deep breathing. Yeah. Lots of sweat beads. <laughs> So, those things happened. Yeah. Um, what do they physically, then, what do
0: they actually do to your account? Do they take stuff down? To be honest, do they, they, they really put stuff up there? They didn't do anything. They didn't, Like, right. it
1: depends. Yeah. Um, it also nearly happened to our Instagram on Sunday. Yeah. There's There was something called a Ray-Ban scam. Um, I don't know if you read up on that. No. Basically, they just try and sell Ray-Bans or anything. They right. try and sell an iPad or yeah. they're scammers. Um, another influencer of mine got hacked and this guy felt so sorry for her that he just gave it back to her. So it just, you know, there's so many variations with me. They didn't do anything with it. They just wanted to disable the page. So whether it be a competitor or whatever it may be, no one sold anything off it. Mm -hmm. No one changed anything except the passwords and the email accounts. Um, And they ran an ad. Right. Okay. That was it. Okay. All
0: right. Um, so back to Instagram then. Uh, that's now your favorite account. you got half a million odd followers.
1: Is it growing rapidly? It is being very um, – I guess it's been stable actually. I'm not going to say it's rapid. Yeah. Um, it's been very stable and I'm really happy with the growth because I get to know the audience a little bit more. And it's just – yeah, it's beautiful. I'm obsessed with Instagram. I'm obsessed with my Instagram family. I love the opportunities that Instagram and Facebook have given me as an artist and, you know, I'll be forever grateful and happy to pay anything that they ask me to moving forward in the future. Okay. Because <laughs> I've. But well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> well, you know what yeah, I mean. Like yeah. I, I think I'm happy to, you know, pay for, for ad spend if if need be because, you know, we've built a beautiful lifestyle off the back
0: of it. Yeah exactly yeah okay so what's your your favorite you know part of instagram these days you know you've mentioned igtv a couple of times uh, insta stories etc where, where do you focus your attention at the moment for um, having moment, positive
1: impact on the business igtv yeah um because i love i'm i just i'm loving the long form content like i love that i can talk to my audience for up to 10 minutes um, it's been great for me because I started creating video content on Instagram when I was only allowed 15 seconds. Uh-huh. So now that I've got 10 minutes, I'm feeling a little bit spoiled. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so of course. Yeah. Is there any distinction there with, because your business has two very different parts. It has a part that's aimed at clients and a part that's uh, uh, aimed at the industry. Yeah. Is there? Do you have a, you know, talk to us about that.
1: I get asked this question a lot, um, B2B, you know, versus um, B2C. And I think when I'm talking directly to the consumer and when I'm talking to the industry, it's the same. It's just me. And um, I've, I've always written my, my copy in a way that both the hairdresser will understand and not feel like I'm talking down to them, but the um, consumer will understand and understand. You know, I'm not going to talk in numbers. I'm going to talk in shapes. You know, um, if we are creating a formula, it's universal. I might say a level six ash instead of like a number that might not be universal to every brand. Mm. Um, You know, when we are talking about our product line, we created a separate Instagram page for that so that we can, um, I guess, talk more product. I never wanted Natalie Ann hair handle Instagram page to just be about my brand. I just, I didn't want, you'll never see a flat lay of my products on my main page ever. Right. Okay. Um, because I just want whatever content I'm putting out into that universe for it to add value to the end consumer. Yeah. And whether it be a hairdresser or, or a girl at home.
0: Yeah, and you don't find that one medium has a better reach to hairdressers and another medium has a better reach to consumers?
1: I think it would, but I think for me um, I've always managed to talk to them simultaneously.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Whether that be a, a gift, I don't know, but I, I don't, I've, never, I've never really spoken to them differently. Yeah. Um, and on our website we have like a members area Um, and that's the hairdressers know to go there and that's where they get access differently to, I guess, the girl at home.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, just talking about content, you alluded to at the beginning as to how much time you spend creating content. Um, you know, you've got a salon, you've got 15 odd staff members working for you. You're spending how many days a week you personally on developing content? three to four now. So full-time, three to four days a week, you are filming, editing, you know, tweaking the content, whatever needs to be done. So it's a full-time job, literally, isn't it?
1: It's definitely a full-time job, Um, you know, but in saying that, that is very recent. Um, For the last two or three years, it was one day a week. Um, Then it went to two, and from two it went to three. Um, and it's now I see everything as a content opportunity right. because I think it's important. And I don't think that all salon owners should just pack up, you know, three days a week and just start creating content. Like it yeah. needs to be affordable. Um, and you need to be able to, I guess, take that salary sacrifice, so to speak. Mm. But at the same time, I understand the return on investment. Yeah. I know what that video or that piece of content, or having or doing that influencer's hair for free is going to do in exchange for me and my brand. And I'm in it for the long run. So, um, I understand that it might take time. And I know that it's taking, you know, since 2008 for me to build this. But at the same time, it's just, it's the way that my whole business is structured and is working.
0: Yeah. So, so, so it works it, for us. It's part of the reason that it's it's gone from sort of one day a week to three or four days a week. That that uh, originally they were still images that you were taking, and whereas yeah. now a lot of it's video. Is that
1: why one of the reasons why it's a lot you know more time intense? That and I just wanted to do more. Yeah. We also you know we have been placed into that influencer category now, where brands will pay us to create content for them. Right. So you know it's also now I'm getting paid for that content or that content day, which is every girl's dream really. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, so w- with the content you're creating, so you're saying you're taking three or four days a week out, you're working on, on models or whatever for content, but it's worth the investment. Because I know you're not charging those models anything at all. You're doing all that for free. Uh, so yeah. three or four days, you're working flat out, but it's free, but it's the investment yeah. that that content is driving footfall to your salon door. Is that basically the bottom line there? That it's generating a, a volume of clients that other people are doing. You you don't have to physically be doing this.
1: Well, it's not generating i guess it, it, yes it's generating more clients otherwise there's no point in creating content at all yeah but it, it's generating brand awareness yeah um it's also allowing me to talk to so many different audience audiences um i like to keep my 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 page filled with different ethnicities and cultures and girls from all different types of like like places in Australia. So, you know, for me, it's me talking to her audience, that girl's audience rather than just mine. Yeah. You know, and that influencer is, you know, creating stories in my my space, excited to come and see, you know, natalie Ann the salon, the brand, um, you know, she is capturing content that, you know, most people would, pay an agency to create for them yeah so
0: so So. you're you're inviting these influencers in in return for them posting you on their feed 100 percent. or is it working the other way around that they're approaching you and saying i want to come and you do my hair it's both right okay
1: it's both i i think when you're first starting out it's going to be your job to approach them Yeah, And I think, you know, Contra has been around in our industry for many, many, many years, you know? You do something for someone in return for something else and that's never going to go away. And I think I just, I took that to a whole other level and I was like, cool, I'll do your hair in exchange for posts, you know? Um, And now it's an unspoken rule. I don't have any contracts with my influencers. I don't expect them to post me. It's just I guess it's good social etiquette and if you are working with the right kind of influencers and I guess that's something that most people should really like consider is, is that influencer on brand for you? Sure. Is that influencer, you know, does she have the right demographic? Like, you know, and you don't have to ask her, you can just look. Yeah. Read her comments, understand her feed. You know, is she on brand for you? Yeah. And, and I guess choose them wisely
0: do, do, because do you have they any... are
1: walking ambassadors
0: for you. Exactly. Do you have any, um, any criteria, i.e. they've got to have X amount of followers before you would even Definitely entertain not. them? Definitely not. Right. So it's Definitely more about not. the quality than the quantity.
1: A hundred percent. And I also understand that the content that I'm creating with that person is also equally important. So- I don't care whether they have five hundred followers or whether they have five thousand followers or five hundred thousand followers, because yeah. as I said, I love to keep my newsfeed and my audience and my clientele super diverse. So I love working with micro influencers and clients, you know, um, right through to you know the macro the macro influencers that you know that are amazing. Um, but there's, there's very few
0: of them, so. Okay. Um, just let's go to YouTube for a minute. You talked about your yeah. your younger brother who's taking over your the editing component of really pushing the YouTube channel. Uh, wh- what's that about? Wh- why have you seen the need to do that?
1: I need long-form content. Right, okay. I think it's time um, as an artist and as a businesswoman Mm. to start talking to um, a different audience that lives on YouTube um, or my audience that that is yearning for longer form content from me and i can't, let's face it i can't do a 1 hour video on on Instagram uh and I think YouTube is a completely different platform and it do- does open you up for different opportunities. Um, I'm not expecting to grow, you know, to a million subscribers. I'm happy with whoever wants to watch and listen. And I'm excited for the challenge as well. I'm excited to understand a new platform. Mm. Um, I'm excited to document the journey, the growth, my like, everything that I wish I did in Instagram in the first beginning, like, I'm, I'm excited to do those things with YouTube.
0: All right. We need to – we're in the sort of uh, last 15 minutes or so of this. Um, what, what sort of advice would you give to, you know, our audience listening to this, no matter where they are, whether they're, I think, sort of 20% of the industry, and that's probably being generous, are good at social media. And then there's the vast majority, whether you're in Australia, the UK, Europe, the US, Canada, et cetera, the vast majority of people sort of dabble with it. And, um, you know maybe don't benefit from it as much as they could what 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 advice you know i know it's general but what would you say to people let's just do one platform at a time let's talk about facebook what what would you say to someone as a salon owner hairdresser starting out or maybe been in the industry for a long time how would you say to them that they should capitalize on the opportunity that facebook offers them what are what are three things that they should be doing
1: with facebook I'm going to definitely say before you start spending any money, understand your content and the way that you create content and that content, how it engages your audience organically before you start advertising. I'm going to also say that they should download a program called Ads Manager so that they can learn to split test and understand uh, I guess the the way that the back end of Facebook works and number three read Facebook blueprint Facebook what blueprint blueprint right okay what, what, what is that you just have to read it okay it's if a book like it's the Bible to Facebook.
0: Okay, all right. I'll have to Google it and find out about it. I haven't read it. Okay, it's,
1: um, it's a long read. <laughs> it's all right if it's I'm if you're recommending it, it.
0: If you're recommending but, you it, know, and you've got a million odd people on there. There's got to be something in there that's worth
1: reading. I just think like Facebook, it's not hard. You just you got to do your research and like anything. Um, I'm not gonna open a salon without understanding a P and L. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, it's just a really good read. Okay. So that's Facebook.
0: So Instagram, three bits of advice for people about Instagram, regardless of where they're at in their career and, and their level of involvement currently with Instagram or social.
1: More content? More, just more. I think a lot of people get really scared and I I, I hear this all the time how much is too much Mm. and again with the current algorithm and the way that things are working not everybody is seeing everything that we post so please don't be scared to overshare you know my friend tells me this all the time you know a good PR strategy is you throw everything that you can at the wall and whatever sticks go with and it's the same with content like you know you have to test you've got to throw everything that you can out especially when you're first starting out, to understand what your audience is responding to and what they're not. And I'm going to say be authentic. It is such a noisy newsfeed. You know, when we scroll on newsfeed, everything looks the same these days. And it's a little bit sad because when I first started as a hairdresser and just like you, like no one was like you. And no one was like me. Mm-hmm. And no one was like Tony and Guy. And no one was like, you know, Sharon Blaine or Errol Douglas or Eugene Solomon or, you know, Sam McKnight. Everyone was so different and Mm. everyone had such a point of difference. And I think that's getting a little bit clouded now. Yeah, good point. You know? And I really am waiting for like the next person that looks super different. You know? Yeah. So I'm excited to meet them because you need to stay authentic and true to yourself because if you're not and you're just, you know, ripping off another brand or another brand style, another brand aesthetic, you just become another one that blends in the newsfeed. Yeah. How are you going to stand out? How are you going to be identified online? Like how are people going to know that's Natalie and Image, you know? Mm. Um, and that's something that we work on so hard just to make sure that we, we stand out in a newsy, noisy newsfeed. And the third thing would be keep at it because a lot of people quit very early. Yeah. Especially salon owners because they put it in a too hard basket, they pass it off to a junior stylist, then it's not being managed, then they need to micromanage it, then they feel like that they shouldn't and they feel like, you know, they're not getting anyone call them Mm. off Instagram um, straight away and it's something that, I guess they just have to keep chipping away at, like things that are amazing for you aren't easy.
0: Hmm. How many uh, times are you posting a a, a day or a week?
1: I try and post at least twice a day. Right. Um, One in the morning and one at night time. Probably I posted one earlier today because I knew we were going to drop with this podcast, but um, yeah, I try and post at least twice a day on my newsfeed, and then I, like, try and share everybody who tags me in a story. Um, I try and build a story or anticipation around an IGTV video that I'm creating. Um, and we can do, like, anywhere between seven and, like, 21 stories a day. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, and then one picture on newsfeed.
0: Okay, so what's next for Natalie Ann? Where, where where are you going next? Where's your focus, your attention? Oh wow, we haven't even dug into your products. That's
1: obviously what's next. So let's just tell us about your products for a minute. I wanted to the bridge that that between, you know, I guess from a luxury, like, from a packaging point of view, from, like, luxury to DIY. Like, I wanted it to feel and, like, smell expensive but then be somewhat affordable and I wanted it to have weight and I loved you know, for me, I wanted people to be able to use something at home. Like I wanted the girl at home to be able to like tap something into her hair and boom, she has instant volume. Like that was my dream. Mm. Um, hence, you know, the volumizing powder. And that's pretty much how we pitch it. It's tap and massage and go. Um, and, you know, we started really small. Like we started two years ago and we've got four SKUs and I love them very much, and it's time to expand the range. So we've been testing and developing, and um, you learn a lot when you first um, build a haircare brand, and it's interesting uh, what you learn, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying the learning process, and it's my husband and I's baby, so he handles a lot of the logistics and the numbers and packaging requirements, et cetera. And I, you know, handled the, most of the R&D and creative. And it's been a crazy journey and I can't wait to expand from Australia, you know, into the U.S. soon. Fantastic. And is it being yeah. developed
0: at the moment, the, the product being developed in, the, in Australia or are you?
1: Yeah. So we are, we, we are working, um, three of our products are made in Australia. Um, we are working on the fourth one being made in Australia as well. Right. And we definitely want like our whole entire brand to be made in Australia. I've tested in other countries, but I just just love the comfort of having it in my own home, to be honest. And um, I love Australian-made products, and I think that we make beautiful products here in Australia, and we have beautiful quality ingredients. And I'm working with an amazing pharmacist and an amazing manufacturer who I adore. And I'm extremely happy with the way things are going. Yeah.
0: Good. And there's four SKUs in the range at the moment. Yeah. A a volumizing powder. What are the
1: other three? So there's a volumizing powder and a texturizing powder. Um, There is Monaco Beach Resort Kit, which is a hybrid product. There's two products in one. Mm -hmm. That's being split at the moment. And I have a treatment, our charcoal mask, which is my favorite, just side note. That's my favorite
0: product. (laughs) Fantastic. Good. Good. Well, that sounds very exciting, and it sounds like, you know, where a lot of the potential growth and future and converting all these followers and raving fans around the world into uh, into a financial benefit, which is ultimately what it's all about. What, what, um, just to sort of start to wrap up here, what, what is it that drives you?
1: My family drive me. My husband the eight family members that work with me, my salon team. Like when I wake up in the morning and I'm not having like the best day, I get up for them as well. So I think that helps. Um, It's just the person that I am Mm. and that's the person that I've always been. And uh, when I go to work, I want to make sure that I'm making over a, a beautiful woman and making her feel a certain way and making her feel the best way that she can um, that's why I wake up. That's what drives me. Cool. Okay.
0: All right. Well, on that note, uh, whereabouts can people find you? Where can they find out more about you and connect with you? Social media um, wise, etc.
1: On Instagram, it's at Natalie Ann hair on Facebook. It's at forward slash Natalie Ann hair stylist, uh, Snapchat. If you want to get like a behind the curtains kind of vibe on me, <laughs> it's not <laughs> and hair. And is that how you said behind the curtain?
0: Yeah, behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. That's oh that's, right, right. Yeah. or
1: maybe not curtain. So one curtain, <laughs> curtains would be a little bit dirty, Natalie. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> and then it, um, my website is NatalieAnne.co. If you want to check out our hair products, it's Natalie Ann Hair Care. Okay, so it's NatalieAnne.co for your website. It's not .dot com or .dot com .dot .co. No, we we definitely, you know, for some reason, someone took all of the handles before we could many okay. years ago. So.
0: Okay. Well, it doesn't seem to have slowed you down at all. Um, okay, Definitely well look, not. I just want to say thank you so much for being so uh, transparent. I mean, I first met you, I think it was probably about three or four years ago. And, um, you know, I've sort of be, keep hearing about you and seeing you pop up all over the place. And it's, it's a phenomenal success story and great, um, you know, growth that you're experiencing. And uh, it, it's fantastic to be on the sidelines watching, you know, you evolve. Um, so, you know, congratulations on everything that you do. And hopefully we can, you know, get back together further down the line and and do part two as to you know the continued involvement of Natalie Ann here.
1: I would love to and thank you thank you so 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 much Um, I've admired you and your work for a very very long time so I was extremely flattered when you when you messaged me Um, and just uh, quickly to anybody who's listening like if you ever have any questions at all I'm only one DM away no matter where you are in the world I am so good on trying getting back to everybody that I possibly can on my DM so any questions that you may have if you're starting a salon or if you're you know emerging stylist and you want to know where to go or if you are a salon owner and you just need to kick up the bum when it comes to social media please just dm me i'm one dm away
0: fantastic thank you very much natalie you're welcome